Welcome, welcome to another Tokurific episode of Toku Thursdays. It's time to switch on for a Dark Destructoid-filled episode. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek, Derek WC, joining you tonight. And I am joined by one of my fellow Android Kakaida enthusiasts. Why don't you give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight? Hey, this is Dark Destructoid Justin. Dark, 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 dark. Dark. So we are here to discuss another in the line of live-action Android Kikaida episodes. And we're here to discuss episode 9, which is titled Red Condor, Screech of Death. It's not like Screech from Saved by the Bell, but it's a <laughs> shrilling, evil screech of death. Okay, so I didn't win, but I've got the new cereal of the champs. Screechios! Of course, the long-winded Wikipedia title, Agonizing Death! Calamity! Bird! Red Condor! I, I prefer my title better. Red Condor, the drinky bird of death! <laughs> like, he uh. totally looks like a drinky bird, man. That's like the first thing I was... I was like, what? And the bad guy this episode is a drinky bird. Like, uh, you, you wacky Japanese. Like, you never you never fail to surprise me. What happened to my bird? So the kind of high-level overview synopsis, the one-sentence synopsis that's written by August Rangone from the DVD sets is as follows. It says, Red Condor kills everyone in a rural village in order to set up a base on which to conduct experiments on a biological weapon. <laughs> Have you seen these? I'm trying to figure out what makes it work. I'm still wondering what makes you work. Joan, Pete, Peggy. Don't touch it. I want to see how long it goes. So that's kind of the the high highfalutin one one sentence synopsis for this this particular episode. But what we do is we end up opening on some school children. And as far as I can tell, I believe they were looking for butterflies because they had the the nets and everything. And they're looking for butterflies in the forest when they are trapped between two tree trunks that the villainous red condor has laid low. And he swoops onto the scene and he's laughing maniacally and he shoots the children with his condor beam, which is a energy draining heat beam that is emitted from his red beak. 
I don't do we do we see those kids anymore? I think because part of me was trying to rationalize like maybe he just dehydrated the kids, but I, they they those kids might be dead. Like I yeah, think, I, yeah, I think I they're dead. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> I was like they're just they're just dehydrated. They'll they'll go back. They'll have they'll have some bottled water. They'll be fine. You know, like, <laughs> I I don't know, but no, they're they're probably dead. They're dead. All right, can I go now? So Red Condor continues his terror streak, and he selects this young Japanese woman as his next victim. A group of farmers and villagers attempt to help the young woman laying at the feet of Red Condor, but of course their pitchforks and hoes are no match for the Condor Beam. He strikes them all down and returns to report his victory over Tenjin Village to Professor Gil. And Gil, of course, praises the murder of the villagers and then advises Red Condor to discreetly continue his weapons research uninterrupted. But meanwhile, everybody's favorite amnesiac and derelict father, Professor Kamoji, stumbles onto the scene. And you're talking about a drinky bird? Like, uh, there's somebody who kind of kind of looks like a drinky bird a little bit like he's kind of <laughs> disheveled it looks like he's yeah. had a couple wild nights out or whatever maybe maybe doc, dr Komoji, maybe maybe he he really is an amnesiac maybe he just you know is wandering all over japan he goes to bars and everything sings karaoke and has too much sake and like you know has a bunch of wild nights out and stuff and he just doesn't want to be you know responsible for for <laughs> mitsuko and, and masaru or whatever but then, and this this was kind of funny to me too because at this point, like I, I had a I had a X three moment or whatever because I was like sitting there and I'm like, okay, so he's stumbling around and it's clearly like daytime, like high noon daytime, and then maybe a shot or two later, it immediately turns to nighttime, and I was just like, wait, what the fuck happened? And like I went back and looked and everything, and clearly like they they shot the scenes at different times of day or whatever but it's like day immediately turns to night and then dr komoji hears this high-pitched noise that is not the devil flute for once and it turns out to be like this weird looking structure that emerges from the underground and it kind of drills its way up to the surface to the topsoil and red condor of course is there and he's thrilled that komoji has unwittingly walked into his clutches and he attacks him, or I guess he kind of like humps him out of the camera frame or whatever, like in that shot. He's like, he does his, his bird wing hump, which is not, it's not part of his official villainous, his, his quote unquote official villainous abilities. But I, I think I think the bird wing hump is, is one of <laughs> Red Condor's signature attacks. It's like, it's like he just like kind of jumps on Kamoji and like, you know, basically pushes him out of the camera frame and you're like, oh no. What I mean, can we can we talk about Red Condor like and his his tinfoil beak for a minute? Like, what 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 was your? Sure. I mean, you 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 said that he he looked kind of like a drinky bird to you. Is there anything else that kind of stood out to you in particular as far as Red Condor's look? No, really. Like that's that's just the first thing I thought of when I when I saw him. I was just like, what? And I was like, I started laughing. I was like, okay, like I I guess like that's that's what you're going with. Like you couldn't you know, have uh, painted him, like, a, a different color, maybe, to make it not so, like, uh, silly. Or, like, I don't know, like, you know, we talked about that Ultraman episode where, like, the, the script writer is kind of, like, you know, throwing his ideas out, and the guys are just like, yeah, sure, just, like, get it in on time. Like, I kind of wonder sometimes, like, the guys who build these suits, if they just kind of, like, look around their, like, home or office, and they're like, and the monster this, uh 
for this episode is going to be like the clothespin monster. Yeah, and terrify the kids. They were, they were like, they, they had some extra tinfoil lying around, and they're like, all right. Uh, we'll... Drinky bird, yeah. Hey, drinky George. bird with, with tinfoil beak. Well, do it. <laughs> do it, Larry. Do it. <laughs> all right. Do it! Just do it! Don't let your dreams be dreams. Yesterday, you said tomorrow. So just do it! Make your dreams come true! Just do it! Now, then, we, we kind of cut to some of our main cast members, and Hattori Hanpei is dropping off Mitsuko and Masaru so they can search for the man reported in the nearby area whose description matches that of their missing father. And the game plan is to take a photo of Dr. Komoji around and ask the villagers if they've seen him using this photo as reference. And Hattori, of course, seeing no money in this endeavor, he is off and running, and he leaves all the investigating to Mitsuku and Masaru. And then Red Condor is swooping overhead while they enter the empty village, and he swoops down and he introduces himself and then Mitsuko of course identifies him as a member of Dark and Condor tries to use the Condor beam trick that he used on the kids and the villagers earlier that basically decimated all those people but I guess Masaru uses the old like dust in the face trick or whatever because he, he picks up some dirt and throws it and then it's like the condor beam sort of explodes but then it's like a distraction and then both the brother and sister you know they're, they're making a run for it through this village and everything and even even despite all that i mean it looks like maybe red condor is going to catch up to them and they're going to be done for but then that girl from earlier and one of the villagers from earlier show up and end up hiding them from Red Condor. And it, like there there's that kind of weird disconnect where you're like, wait a minute, like didn't he didn't he kill all the villagers? Like didn't you know like and then that lady was, you know, under his foot and so you I think you're supposed to intentionally kind of be suspicious of these guys like maybe it's supposed to be super obvious but then part of me wonders sometimes uh, you know i know we we frequently talk about how sometimes the way the story is structured you know sometimes there are these random jump cuts and you don't always get the entire story so i just thought oh well maybe maybe they did escape i mean i what did you kind of think at that point i mean did you recognize those the the girl and the villagers is the same people that you you saw earlier i mean she does have like that red kind of outfit so i mean it seemed pretty obvious to me that it was the same or, or you know supposed to be the same girl no i didn't really pay attention what i guess what like what i was stuck on is i was like man he just like killed all those chickens because like when that dust hits his eyes he accidentally like disintegrates like this chicken <laughs> coop full of chickens and then I was like, whoa, he killed all those chickens, man. Like, oh, that's not cool. And then, like, for, for whatever reason, I heard, like, the penguin from Adam West Batman series in my hand. I, in my head, I was like, oh, he's, he's accidentally killed his fine feathered friends. Whack, 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 whack. It's like, it's like the, same, the same emotional turmoil in the original manga where he's like, you've killed your brothers. You know, you killed your, your fellow birds. You're going to be seeing a lot of me now. Care to know why? 
because Gotham belongs to me now. <laughs> and not even Batman can do anything about it. <laughs> oh, yes. Meet my right-hand penguin, Buzz. I'm naming him head of security. Uh, nice to meet you, boss. <laughs> yeah, I think it's time to retire. So they they hide them, but then when Red Condor closes in, that's when we hear the cherry red guitar of justice play in the background and of course high atop a village rooftop stands Jiro who has come to save his friends and red condor sicks the dark destructoids on Jiro and he proceeds to perform that wing hump maneuver on Jiro he tries to like get him out of the camera frame but Again, like, th th this is something that was kind of cracking me up, because you, you wouldn't know it, but, like, apparently, like, his his sharp tinfoil beak is supposed to be, like, this deadly, you know, razor-sharp type thing that, that can kill with a stroke. But even though he's got Jiro, like, pinned down, <laughs> it's like... Red Condor keeps missing. It's like you keep missing the target. You know, it's like it's like, but he's like right there. You know, he's like it's like he's supposed to deliver. Like you, you think like, dude, I've got you pinned down. I'm gonna deliver this direct blow to your face, and then that's gonna be it. But it's like there's all this kind of finagling of like Jira's still dodging like the the beak stroke and stuff. And then eventually, like after I don't know, it felt like you know five minutes of of dodging beak. You know, then Jiro, like, flips him off of his person, and then he finally transforms into Kakaida. And this was kind of interesting because they don't actually spend time doing the 3-2-1 change sequence. Like, he, he flips him off, you know, and, and runs off, and then the next time you see the, you know, our hero, like, running on the hill, he's he's already android Kakaida. So he, he never actually, like, stopped to have a... A transformation sequence, which I thought was kind of... I, I think... I could be wrong, but this is the first time I remember that happening on the show so far. Like, that he just randomly was like, alright, I'm gonna change, and then the next shot, it's like he's he's in the Kakaida suit. Yeah, I, I think you're right. One thing I wanted to point out, and I brought this up last episode, is in last episode, the Dark Destructoid henchmen started saying Gil instead of Dark. Like, did you notice that this episode? Yeah, they, they're still doing the, instead of saying dark, they dark, now they're saying you, you, you. Yeah. 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 For Red Condor, he's got these shurikens that come out of his wingtips, and they refer to those as the Condor shuriken, and they get launched out at Android Kakaida. But luckily, there's a nearby, like, beat-up tree log, and Kakaida picks it up and kind of spins it around, and he's using it to either dodge, deflect, or block all these deadly ninja stars that are emitted from Red Condor's wings. And then Kakaida uses his double chop, and he, he, again, he takes off 
red condor's right wing completely and condor's like howling in pain and swears revenge on kakaida before retreating from the scene so he, he basically i mean he nails him but we still got like you know a good 10 minutes of story left so i guess he's not he's not completely out of the picture you know he only sort of like half defeated and then there, there's this kind of odd after effect where Mitsuku and Masaru find themselves locked in a room and then this earthquake starts and Jiro ends up kicking down the door to the room and leads both of them out into the open just before the lodging collapses and this is kind of a, a combination of you know live action you know shooting in the village but then when they sort of cut to some again model type sets the the, the model sets are what Kind of collapse and you know get eaten up and, and sort of almost explode in the earthquake i i was kind of confused by by that i was like did the did the drill thing from the earlier do that or like you know was it due to the like was it due to like the battle or something like it, it became unstable i was like well how did that happen yeah i, I i'm not really sure why the the village like because it, it's weird like the way the episode starts without giving away like the twist or whatever but like the way the episode starts you think it's just an everyday average village that's being attacked by red condor but then there, there seems to be a reason why they want to use that specific area for his weapons research so maybe it has something to do with the fact that they they are in an area that dark is using and it is an area that is conceivably being used for weapons research so maybe wh wh however that went down it, it may have triggered some of those stockpiles of weapons or something I, I don't know if that's what you're supposed to think but that's the only that's the only no prize i can <laughs> I, I can sort of grant it or whatever that that's why you know these these model sets basically you know fall into the earth and explode but I, I don't know why the earth i mean the earthquake may have been just natural you know but then it triggered the the basically the the weapons and and you know experiments that were going on in the background in that village and stuff and you know hattori hanpei he's got his stupid car again that it apparently isn't getting enough literal like loving or whatever so the car again has broken down and you know he 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 decides instead of trying to finagle the car with his, his silky tongue or whatever he, he decides to use violence on the car and you know kick it and, and, and slam on it and stuff like that but eventually the violence quickly turns to begging and pleading because the daytime is slowly turning to night and he doesn't want to get stuck out in the middle of the night and everything so he's basically begging the car to start up again and, and work and Mitsuku and Masaru are searching alongside Jiro now for Professor Komoji and they're shot at by a young child who runs off after the shooting and when Jiro catches up with the child the little boy calls him a monster and Jiro tries to laugh the accusation off and Mitsuku and Masaru are greeted by the surviving villagers, or what we are led to believe are the surviving villagers. And when they ask the villagers, you know, they start passing around that photo, if they've ever seen their father, 
they all kind of deny having seen Komoji, but it's it's kind of suspicious. Like you can basically tell like some of the expressions, especially on the 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 lady's face in the red outfit. You know, you can kind of tell it's like I recognize this, but now I'm going to tell you I don't recognize this person. So she, I don't know. I I kind of thought she, you know, again, you know, this is a, a you know show for children so it is pretty obvious but i mean what what was your kind of take at that point like at that point did you start kind of suspecting the villagers of of kind of foul play or that something you know something rotten was going on in denmark type thing yeah pretty much and you know at that point like we we actually see that komoji is in the clutches of dark and he's being sort of tortured and you know Possibly they're going to attempt to brainwash him. Red Condor ends up telling Professor Gill that he thinks Komoji is feigning his amnesia. He's like, and probably like me, you know, I was thinking he was just having wild nights out drinking sake. So I think me and Red Condor, you know, we probably think the same thing. It's like Gill's just, Gill, he's just, you know, he's having a blast. Like he's not, he doesn't really have amnesia. And then we cut back to this child, the boy, who tells Jiro that all the actual villagers are really dead, and after he unloads his double-barrel shotgun onto Jiro's chest with no effect, he continues to suspect Jiro is also in league with the monsters. And Jiro chases the boy, and the boy's name is Kyuichi into the arms of the suspicious villagers who claim he is telling tall tales. And the boy accuses the villagers of being imposters, but the villagers turn it around on him and claim he's suffering from paranoia, and they make this comment about he'll need to be hospitalized again, kind of insinuating that he's just this little crazy kid who makes up stories and, and probably needs to, you know, be stuck in the hospital and, and then he's just seeing stuff and these villagers end up telling Jiro that Mitsuku and Masaro are waiting for him at a nearby pass and you know at this point Jiro's kind of starting to think that something's up and <laughs> this is kind of funny because he, he, he basically he, he spins his hand around because he's an android and this is my reading of it. You can tell me if, if, if your reading was a little different than mine, but it, it's 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 kind of like, you know, like witch trials or something, because he's like, he basically like has a saw blade within his hand, and then he sort of tests out his theory, like, lethally, because he's like, all right, I've got this saw blade. If these guys are really androids, then it'll be okay. And so he, he chops this guy in the back with the saw blade, and it's like, ha ha, you are an android because you didn't die, you know? And and I was just kind of like, well, what if that had been like a real dude? Then, then he yeah. would have been like, ha ha, you're a bloody mess. You must have been real, you know? Like, so I, I don't know what the logic was with that, but basically like he's, he's exposed them at that point. And, you know, that it's basically just as Kyuichi had said from the start that that these were all imposters who were impersonating his his you know 
family and community and everything like that. And they all turn into the dark destructoids, the dark, 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 dark guys and everything. And they attack Jiro, and Jiro runs back to the village as the other imposters are delivering Mitsuku and Masaru directly to Professor Gill. Gil is planning on using Komoji's children against him as leverage, but he's surprised to discover that Komoji is actually missing from the dark torture chamber. Red Condor blames one of the destructoids, and he uses his condor beam on him or her, because it's, it's, it's the destructoid that was posing as the lady in the red outfit so it's like it's interesting because sometimes later in the series like the destructoids they'll be like these pink destructoids that are ladies and they kind of have the same headgear and everything but they're in kind of like you know pink jumpsuits but in this case it's like that clearly it's the standard male gray jumpsuit dark destructoid that is posing as village lady. Hattori Hanpei ends up stumbling onto the dark base and he's forced to confront his fight or flight complex when he sees Mitsuku and Masaru being threatened with torture. And in his own goofy kind of Jar Jar Binks manner, he ends up like tripping over some chemicals and he sets off these explosive reactions and those kind of distract the dark agents long enough for him to flee with Mitsuku and Masaru. Meanwhile, Jiro is attacked by Red Condor while zooming to the rescue in the sidecar. And during the attack, Professor Gill plays everybody's favorite the devil flute to further compound the peril. As Jiro struggles both literally and figuratively, Hattori Hanbei continues to lead the two boys and Mitsuko to escape. I thought Hattori was, you know, again, he, he, he has his own kind of selfish motivations at times, but I mean, he, he, he kind of comes through in, in the clutch, I guess, in this case. Like, he, he definitely, like, sort of saves their bacon when push comes to shove yeah I, I liked him in this episode like he he wasn't you know like slimy or anything you know he he was just the right amount of goofy and kind of like a buffoon heroic i guess yeah and and so the the roar of the sidecar engine ends up drowning out the devil flute so and, and you, you do kind of wonder though why doesn't Jiro just do that all the time? Like, why doesn't he just hop on the sidecar and rev up the sidecar every time the devil flute's used? If it's that simple, or like, I don't know, walk around with earplugs or whatever, I don't know. But, so Jiro transforms into Kakaida, and we do finally get the standard transformation sequence, the 3-2-1 change, and he faces off against Red Condor. And Kakaida dodges the condor beam and takes off into flight on his badass rocket boots and delivers a successful double jump. Then Kakaida flips over Red Condor using giant swing. And Red Condor retaliates with his launchable wings called the Condor Boomerang. And Kaida's like not gonna put up with that shit. He just kind of swats him aside, like because he, he launches the one wing and he's like fuck that, and he launches the other wing and he's like fuck that shit too. And then he performs his finishing move, the end. And Red Condor, of course, like everyone else who has faced Kaida before, plummets to the ground and gets smashed into a million tiny cog-like watch pieces at the bottom of the cliff. 
Hattori Hanpei gets Mitsuko and the boys out just before Dark's secret headquarters self-destructs. Mitsuko hopes her father wasn't inside when the base blew up, and Hattori Hanpei confirms that he did not see Professor Komoji when he made his search. Jiro rides off again into the sunset and leaving behind Mitsuku and Masaru with nothing but pouty faces. And that's that's pretty much the end of the episode. Again, Jiro's leaving kind of that whole derelict Japanese man thing where Mitsuku and Masaru are just kind of like, why are you leaving us? And then I'm kind of like, why are you leaving them? Aren't they in peril? Did you want to talk about some of those factoids and, and read over some of those real quick and factoids on episode nine and maybe we could talk about those for a little bit? Sure. These again come from Henshin Online. The hapless boy Kuichi was played by child actor Yoshide Goto. Goto first appeared as Yota in episode three. The young thespian was later chosen to play Professor Gil's son Akira in Kakaida 01. Also, without any fanfare or explanation, Jiro's side machine motorcycle, not Kakaida's, was changed to another model with a completely different sidecar starting with this episode. Which I did not notice at all. I, I feel like, you know what's weird is like, Kakaida's side machine, like, always looks different from Jiro's in these episodes one way or the other. But I, I feel like the, the sidecar, like, because the, the way the sidecar normally looks is it's, it's kind of, I don't know how to explain it. Like, the, the, I think the one in this episode had, like, a, a windshield in front of it or something. And, you know, like, he, it, it, it was different looking. Like, I, I, I probably don't know enough about, you know, the motorcycle models and stuff to get into specifics about it, but it did look kind of slightly different to me. So, and, uh, but I think, I think I was trying to pay attention to that, like specifically, cause I knew it was coming up here, but I, you know, I, I can't speak to like specifics on, you know, model types and which model was what and stuff like that. But even, even when they kind of do the regular Kakaida side machine, you know, it, it, it does look different from whichever kind of Jiro bikes they use, because it's like the the side machine itself, like, Jiro is usually, like, sort of almost lying down style, whereas I think, you know, when, when Jiro rides the bike, it's, it's a regular kind of motorcycle where he's usually kind of upright on the the bike and everything like that. And I think, like, the handlebars were... I don't know, it seemed kind of standardized in this, the, the handlebars and the, the headlight and stuff like that. But I, I could be wrong, but that's... that's I mean, it, it definitely does look like they they switched up the bike a little bit in this episode. And and I know there were... I know we had some trepidation on, on how accurate all these factoids are, but I, I'm pretty sure Goto, you know... The, the child actor, like I'm pretty sure that is the same kid who went on to play Akira in in Zero One. Like he looked familiar to me, and I, I was kind of like, yeah, I, I kind of remember him. So I think that was fairly accurate as far as that goes. Speaking of the kid, like I'll just go into some of my notes or some of my thoughts while I was watching this. You you know what? I I mean I guess. I, I kind of wish, like, you know, and, and this is, again, like, you know, we're being hypercritical over a, you know, a 70s 
children's programming tokusatsu show or whatever but like i i kind of wish that there were some establishing shots like you know how like in some of the earlier episodes they tried to impart like how badass the 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 monster of the week is by having them like execute like some poor hapless japanese person and it's like they they do kind of do that with the condor beam but it's like you're set up for the condor beam like i kind of either wish kakaida would have deflected the condor beam somehow or if they were going to use those shuriken that come out of his wings the condor shuriken i kind of wish something would have happened like where the shuriken would have you know gone into the some dude's back or something and then exploded him or or something like to set up like how how deadly they are because like all i kept thinking was like the little kid like unloaded a shotgun into Jiro's chest and it didn't do anything but these little fucking ninja stars are gonna do something to Jiro like he's gotta dodge him and shit like and I was just kinda like I don't you know or or that he's gotta pick up the log like like who cares like what what what, (laughs) like if they're just ninja stars like who gives a shit like like you know so I I either wish like they they kinda set up that they were explosive or, or 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 they were you know, somehow poisonous to androids, you know, like maybe they, they you know, they, they're EMP ninja stars or, or, or something, something that, you know, you could understand why he was sort of avidly trying to avoid them. You know, it's like, oh, it's better that they, they get, you know, stuck in this log than stuck in my chest because then it's going to mess with my my diodes and my circuitry or something like that. But there, there wasn't anything really specific about it. It was just kind of like, oh, ninja stars. Ninja stars are cool. Ninja stars come out of this guy's wings. Okay. Like, and then I was just like, and then he seemed to be horrible with his aim too. Cause it's like, they all went into the, into the dirt. <laughs> it's like, he's, he, it's like, he's trying to shoot his feet or something. Enough. I grow weary of your foolishness. Professor Chaos cannot be stopped. The moment where the the girl villager, we we talked about this, how she was a dark destructoid, like, I, I did have that weird... It, there's that weird sort of gender bending ADR moment where the girl speaks with a dubbed male voice because she is a yeah. dark destructoid and like that's kind of freaky and it kind of <laughs> reminded me of like those old you know we talked about you know Burgess Meredith on on Batman sixty six but it it reminds me of that episode with like the Black Widow where the Black Widow, like, disguises herself as Robin, but it's just Burt Ward. And then, like, Burt Ward is dubbed over with the, the, the actress's voice, where it's like, oh, for sure, Batman. <laughs> you know, and you're just like, wow, yeah. like, that's, you know, you're like, this is freaky. You know, like, uh, it's like, okay, big boy. You know, you're just like, whoa. You know, <laughs> whatever. But it kind of reminded me of the same thing, like, except for in this case, I guess it's the girl speaking with, like, a... A decidedly male voice, and it it, it, it was kind of funny. How perfectly thrilling! The Cape Crusader, and what a magnificent cape it is too! I really must have one of those for my wardrobe. Man, Mitsuko, did, like, 
man, she's got a loud ass fucking dress in this. Yeah, you know, totally seventies. Like, yeah, the, the fucking like she's got that thing where it's like it's like uh, it's like I don't know. It's like she had a white dress and Andy Warhol like went to fucking town on it or something. <laughs> you know, like he just started spitting out condiments on it and put like little <laughs> little geometric shapes all over it or some shit. Like I was just like, what the fuck are you wearing, girl? Like you got some nice legs and everything, but what are you wearing? Like what 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 is going on? I guess I guess you can't miss her in that village though. You know, it's not like it's not like you can lose her, right? Because <laughs> like, it's like, dude, like she's the fucking one with the loudest fucking dress in the village. You know, that's that's why Jiro left. He's like, oh, you're wearing that like wacky dress. I could track you anywhere. <laughs> He's like, she's got pouty face. It's like, don't worry, I can see you from like 300 miles away. I got Android Android eyesight, and your dress is louder than shit. Space. The Final Frontier. These are the recordings of the podcast Gimme That Star Trek. Its ongoing mission to explore all of Star Trek, to seek out new guests and new opinions, to boldly go where many have gone before. This is Siskoid from the Fire and Water Podcast Network, here to welcome you to the trailer for Gimme That Star Trek, a companion show to Ryan Daly's Give Me Those Star Wars on the same network, launched to coincide with Star Trek's 50th anniversary. Since Star Trek was one of my first loves, something I covered daily for over three years on Siskoid's blog of geekery, and indeed the reason behind my internet handle, I named myself after my favorite Starfleet Captain Benjamin Sisko, I couldn't help but do this, and thankfully, the larger podcasting community has answered the call. About once a month, I get to sit down with a new guest host to talk about an aspect of Star Trek. Could be any version, any show, any medium, any topic. Some of the things that are already lined up include What If the Cage Had Gone Directly to Series with Gene Hendricks, Star Trek's Humanistic Philosophy with Dr. G, Man of Nerdology, Why the Animated Series Deserves a Second Look with Aaron Bias, Alien Wedding Ceremonies with Lonely Heart Bastavac, characters we ought to have seen more of with David Ace Gutierrez, the New Frontier novels with the Irredeemable Shag, Star Trek Captains Hot or Not with The Girls, and looking beyond the Klingon cultural shift, Janeway's decision to kill Tuvix, the Star Trek CCG, How Badass Was Sulu, Making Sense of the Prophets, Enterprise's sense of retro design, and of course, news about your favorite franchise as we come closer and closer to the debut of a new Star Trek show. So I hope you'll join me and my guests, and if you're listening to this, perhaps you will become one, as we boldly go where many, yes, have gone before. The show, again, is Gimme That Star Trek, available from the Fire and Water Podcast Network at fireandwaterpodcasts.com and on iTunes. You know, I, I enjoy these for, for what they are, and, and it, it's always fun to look at them. But again, it's kind of like what we're, we're always saying. It's, it's fun to kind of watch these, you know, one at a time, once a week, and kind of focus on everything, kind of get into the whole 
aspect of of the the villainy from week to week and and check out red condor i mean i you know i i thought the tinfoil beak was kind of kind of goofy or whatever but you know i mean it 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 served its purpose like he's experimenting he's he's kind of doing all this weapons testing and stuff like that i i think you know again you know you you can't do anything major with Professor Komoji, you know, because he's got to be the wandering man through this whole thing. And, and you know, they, they try to play with the expectations of, oh, maybe he got blown up. But then, of course, you know, they, they kind of have these one-off lines with Hattori Hanfei kind of going like, oh, no, 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 he's fine. Like, I didn't see him, so he must be okay. You know, like that thing. And, and that's, that's kind of where they leave that stuff. So it, it's not like a whole hell of a lot happened to move the the whatever would be considered the 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 long running kind of mythos of kakaida it's not like they have very many mythology episodes in this anyway but you know this is definitely not one of them this is kind of like your standard you know monster comes on the scene monster murders some poor japanese people you know kakaida shows up kind of whoops up some ass but then has to wait till the end to really, really whoop some ass, you know? So that's that's basically, you know, how it goes. To be perfectly honest, like, I was kind of surprised he was captured by Dark at all. Like, I, I kind of, in my head, thought they, they would save that and build it up a bit more. Like, you know, like, oh, like, we got to go save Dr. Komoji. Like, he's got captured, and, you know, he, he would still escape, and they wouldn't talk to him. But, like, it would, it would be a bigger deal, I guess. So I was kind of surprised that, they captured him so quickly, I guess. You know, like, it's it's episode nine, so I wasn't expecting that, to be honest. Yeah, they, they almost sort of wrote themselves into a corner with that, because it's like, you, you capture him, and then you set up something for the heroes to do. The, you know, the, uh, the father is in peril, but then you can't really have them save him either, because then that would sort of end the, the ongoing narrative of him being amnesiac and missing, and them constantly looking all over japan for them too you know so it's like they 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 you know they're they're screwed either way they go with it so in this case they just kind of went oh well they you know they, they were saved you know but not you know I, I guess komoji somehow saved himself you know he he busted out of the the torture chamber and just wandered off and went off to go sing karaoke and get more go to more sake bars or whatever you know like that kind of thing I, I thought it was the other thing was it seemed like the torture like aspect at least when when Mitsuko and Masaru were there like could have potentially been pretty horrible because you've got those destructoids there like and it almost looked like they were about to like six some flamethrowers on them or something like that but it it, it seemed kind of toothless too because they you know it's almost like they were sitting there for like five minutes and they never did anything either you know what i mean and it's like it's like they they sort of established like the threat of it and that it could be go really really pear-shaped but nothing essentially happens to Mitsuku and masaro either and i guess you couldn't have that happen if you're going to have that kind of you know weekly interaction with characters from week to week it's not like you know they they could have an episode where you know somebody's burned for like the next two episodes and keep continuity or something like that i think that would have been too complicated for a show like this right i did like this episode like i said i thought red condor was just a little bit goofy but ultimately like i thought this was a good episode cool cool yeah i I enjoy these i i like watching them i enjoy discussing them with you 
and I hope to discuss all of them with you at some point. That will wrap up this episode of Toku Thursdays with Andrew Kakaida and the Drinky Bird of Screechy Doom. We hope you've enjoyed listening to our pontifications on Android Kikaida. If you want to get in contact with us, you can reach us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. We are on the fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. In addition to Toku Thursdays, we've got all kinds of other shows like Sentai Saturdays, Transformers Tuesdays, Mobile Suit Mondays, Comic Books, Motherfucker, Do You Read Them? And the Fanholes Podcast proper. So we are on all kinds of social media, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We can be streamed on Stitcher Radio. We are on iTunes as well. We appreciate all the likes and feedback that we receive on the various social medias. And until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, switching off. And this is Justin. But yeah, I mean, I've, I've got some notes, and, and then I have my little synopsis and everything, but I'm, I'm pretty much ready to go if you are. Ready. All right. Go, go, go. Go, go, go.